fellas. Well, we're going to try it again, huh? Try it again. All right, welcome back. Very good. So you guys ready? Yeah. Just as excited, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah? All right. Anything new you want to say to the friends and family back home before we give this another try? Let's do it. All right, a couple photos real quick, nice and tight. There we go. All right, fellas, here we go. Hey, he comes right behind you.
Sweet. <laughs> hey, let me get the two of you together for a quick photo. Yeah, man. Woo! Way to go, guys. Good job. So that free fall was from 13,000 feet. The chute gets pulled at 8,000 feet. Thank you for indulging me in that, but I thought this was kind of a fun way to start off our series on rejection proof because to overcome rejection, it's about overcoming fears. So how many of you are ready to go up and play with me now? How many think I'm nuts? <laughs> well, I've been wanting to do that for a long time, but unfortunately, when I read my 20-year term life insurance policy, it prohibited skydiving. So it finished, completed itself a year ago, and I just happened to be talking to somebody uh, that's new to our church, and they were sharing that they were going skydiving, and I said, well, you know, that's on my bucket list. And they said, well, come on along. So I did. And then when my son got to go as well, who you saw in the video as well, that made it even more special. People have asked me if I was scared. Well, you can kind of tell I was a little nervous in that video, yeah. Although they told you to put your head back, that's why I was in that awkward position. But uh, I kept telling people, I just need to be brave for 10 seconds, you know, 10 seconds. And then here's the thing, you're attached tandem to someone who has done hundreds of jumps, knows what they're doing, and once you're out of the plane, you kind of relax and enjoy, especially after you figure out what's going on with the pre-fall. So if anybody wants to do this, I'll be your partner. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of that additional bravery to go. Just give me a call. Well, you know, there's a lot more important things in life than overcoming the fear of skydiving or heights. But most of us have some fears we need to face. And many of those fears, they reside within us. That's both the good news and the bad news. The good news, that means they're internal. That means you've got control. You have the power to overcome them. And probably one of the most common fears that we all face is the fear of rejection. And that's really normal because we're human beings. We, we come out of, into this world as a small baby. and We're so totally dependent on others. We need others. And, and then as we grow and get a little older, uh, we, we are needing to connect with one another. And we want to fit in. You know, one of the most important things that happens with the ministry of our preschool is they learn socialization. They learn how to learn in groups because so much of life is about learning from one another. And then as we get older, it gets harder and harder, doesn't it? Especially getting the teen years and trying to fit in, trying to figure out who you are. And many of us will experience some negative experiences in our life. Sometimes it comes from a parent who's doing the best they can do or a sibling who's in that rivalry with you. Or sometimes it's with competition with people at school or coworkers. Most of us, somewhere in our life, are going to have a negative experience. and We're going to feel rejected. And some of us respond to it better than others. And when those happen in our young years, sometimes it creates an insecurity within us that makes it tough for us to function as fully as we want to function in life. The result is that we have a lot of people unconsciously avoiding things, things that they could do, things that they should do, things that they want to do, but are afraid of someone saying no. Well, I heard at our Global Leadership Summit this past summer, 
a speaker, Jai Zhang, and I was so inspired by his speech, I read his book, Rejection Proof. And he shares in his book an experience that happened to him early in his formative years that impacted him, that both held him back but also became the source of finding out what his purpose and mission in life should be, at least at this point in his time. And it goes back to his years when he was living in China, and he was in elementary school. And he had a, a great teacher, Mrs. Kwai. And she was caring, compassionate, and she had this idea of, of an exercise that would be good for her children. And so she, she bought and wrapped 40 presents for that class. And she brought them up on the platform. And, and the goal was to have each of them share something that was a compliment to the other child. And once a child got complimented, they could go over, pick up a package, and go and sit down. Well, what could go wrong? Things are going great. Everybody's cheering. Jai's cheering. And then Jai notices that it gets thinner and thinner. He's still on the platform, and most of the kids are sitting down. And then he gets down to just three students. And he looks at the other two students. He didn't like them. Nobody liked them. And he realized for the first time in his life that perhaps he wasn't very popular either. And tears start to come down his eyes. And the teacher, unbeknownst, had no idea this would result. And she did everything she could to implore the kids to come up with something for each of those three. And finally, she just had to give up and say, well, just go get a present and go sit down. That experience changed Jai. And I expect most of us have had experience something like that where we've been rejected. And it has an impact on us. Some of us choose to then try harder to be accepted. We end up conforming, trying to just fit in. Others start hating everyone, perhaps even becoming one of those loners that we read about in the headlines so often in recent times. Or many individuals use that energy to become something special, to show the world. Matter of fact, some of the greatest individuals in history have, a, have an experience where they were rejected in life. So what fears are holding you back? Can you identify a significant rejection early in your life? What would you do with that experience? Has it fueled you? Has it held you back? Has it caused you to overcompensate? Or has it brought you to a good place now as you've learned to depend on God and his people? Well, for Zhai Zhang, his early rejection became the experience that helped him to discover his purpose and to achieve his dreams. You see, Jai immigrated from China. When he was in China, he heard Bill Gates speak once, and he was so inspired, he decided that's what he wanted to do in life. He wanted to be the next Bill Gates, and he felt he could do that best in the United States, and so he immigrated at age 16. And things were going well. He had a good job. He was now 30 years old, living in Austin, Texas, had a good IT job, making good salary, had a wonderful wife, had a baby on the way, but life just wasn't quite right for him. He, he realized here he is 30 years old, and he's not living his dream. He's not living what he promised himself, the whole reason why he came to the United States in the first place. And he kept complaining about it. He was kind of miserable even. He got so miserable that his wife finally said, okay, do something about it or shut up. And so they agreed together, in spite of the time it was in their life, that he would take six months off 
and figure out what was the business, what, what entrepreneurial thing did he need to do. And four months in, he had a great idea. He was starting a software and mobile app company. I mean, he had an app that would help people finish and complete tasks. He had a, somebody on the hook uh, to be that investment capital that he needed. And then after that four months, when it came down to the final presentation and in spite of he, him thinking everything went well, the person said no. And he felt rejected like he was back in his elementary days. And he was miserable, horrible. To him, it was like life was coming to an end. And so he thought about, okay, what's, what am I going to do with this? So he started studying rejection. Why was he overreacting to this simple no from someone else? And when he was researching, he came across a book called 30 Days of Rejection Therapy. And, and the idea was you set up deliberate experiences where you're sure to get rejected. And after 30 of those rejections, you should be desensitized to the point that you can handle that and not be so afraid of it and move on. Well, Jia Zhang was going to take that to the next level. He decided to do 100 rejection experiences. And he was going to blog about it and record it and post those videos to record his story. Well, things were starting out well, and here he was just the third day of his rejection therapy effort. He's on his way to the place where he was doing his work, and he notices a Krispy Kreme store, and it gave him an idea. So on his way home, he walks in and decides he's going to ask for an impossible donut. It's 2012. It's the year of the Olympics in London. And so he get, works up the courage, pictures himself as being charismatic, and at the counter happens to be the shift manager. And he says, I have a specialized donut I'd like for you to make. She said, oh, what would that be? He said, I'd like for you to make a donut that's in the five Olympic rings. Can you do that? And, of course, he's expecting a no or a laugh. But she puts her hand under her chin. She said, hmm. And she says, well, how soon do you need this donut? Well, he wasn't ready for that question. So he, uh, 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 15 minutes, that's sure to get a no. He'd get his rejection, he'd buy a box of donuts and go home. Well, she put her hand on her chin again. And she then got a piece of paper and started asking him a few questions and started sketching some things out. And she said, well, just give me a few moments. So he sat down and think, what's going on here? This is not how rejection therapy is supposed to work. And she comes out with a box of Olympic ring donuts. Kind of hard to see, but she even Googled to make sure she got the colors right. And then on top of that, she says, and this one's on the house. Well, he didn't know what to do with that. So at that moment, he found his perspective on humanity had changed. He realized that the world was actually kinder, much kinder, and his people much nicer than he had realized. And he was brimming it with excitement. It gave him the sense that the world is filled with far more possibilities than he imagined. He thought, here, I got custom-made Olympic donuts, and I wasn't even trying. What else is possible if I just asked? Even more, what's possible if I really tried hard? So that night, he uploaded the video, and it went viral. Within a few days, it had 2.6 million hits 
media outlets like MSNBC, the Steve Harvey Show, Fox News radio stations bombarded him with interview requests. Bloomberg Businessweek flew a reporter down from New York to interview him. He started getting calls from Hollywood producers pitching ideas to turn his story into a television show. And maybe this is coincidental, but Krispy Kreme stock price leapt immediately from $7.23 to $9.32. Well, I'm going to come back to Jai Jiang's story in the next couple of weeks. I'll share some of his discoveries in the journey of his 100 days of rejection. But let's turn now to Moses. We've heard the story that Pastor Aaron read. And I think we can find some parallels between Moses' story and Jai Jiang's because Moses would have struggled with his identity and who he was as well. He experienced a certain amount of rejection. He was put in a basket as a baby. Tall, he was put around it so it would float down the Nile River. And then through the providence of God, he is picked up by Pharaoh's daughter. They arrange for his mother to nurse the child without anyone know about it, even Moses himself, I'm sure they had to keep it secret. So Moses is raised as a Hebrew in the highest court in Egypt. And apparently that created a sense of confusion in his identity. We, we see it acted out much later as he's an adult and he sees a Hebrew slave being beaten by an Egyptian slave master and he can't take it and he responds and kills the Egyptian slave master and so he has to flee for his life out to Midian where he spends many, many years tending sheep out in the desert. And then God calls to him and asks him to form a task that would be impossible for anybody in the most respected and powerful families. And here he is a nobody, a fugitive who's had to flee for his life and all he's done his entire life is lead sheep, not lead people. And God wants him to lead his people out of Egypt. And Moses experiences a lot of rejection. He's rejected nine times by Pharaoh until finally he lets his people go. And then he gets out of the wilderness. And it doesn't get any better because his people complain and complain because there are people who have lived in slaves as their entire life. They've been living, being told what to do all the time, and now they go out into this new venture to an unknown future, to a land they've never been. And Moses experiences complaint after complaint. They reject his leadership over and over. And the only way Moses survives is by turning to God. And he didn't want the job to begin with. You heard the scripture today. But what if they don't believe me? What if they don't pay attention to me? My Lord, I've never been able to speak well, not yesterday, not the day before, and certainly not now since you've been talking to your servant. I have a slow mouth and a thick tongue. Can you identify with that? What's your excuses? But God refuses to take no for an answer, as we heard. He had an answer for every one of his complaints. Even before he raised the question, he already had Aaron on the way to help him be a spokesperson. God provided, and Moses finally decided to show up. And he led his people faithfully through the desert and to the promised land. Moses himself didn't even get to go into the promised land. He had a thankless job. He experienced rejection after rejection. 
but now today he is the most revered figure in all of Judaism because he simply showed up. God made Moses rejection proof, and I believe he can make you rejection proof. We're going to return in the next two weeks to Jai Jang's discoveries, but there's one piece of wisdom that he shares I want to leave with you today. Just, just take this home with you. It has so much truth to it and applies to so many situations if you ever experience rejection. He, he declares, most rejection has much more to do with the person rejecting than the person experiencing the rejection. Most rejection has more to do with the person rejecting. You may have something great to offer. You may have done the best anyone could ever do in whatever you have shared, but their needs may not match what you have to offer. Or maybe the timing just is not right for them, or maybe they've got their own issues to deal with. But their rejection does not define you. Your worth, your integrity, your value is established by God and God alone. Moses came to understand that, and that made him the greatest figure in Jewish history. Whenever Moses faced rejection from Pharaoh or his own people, he turned to God, and that's where he found his strength. And that's true for you, whether you're in sales, facing a difficult situation at work or in your family, or working to establish justice in our world, or if you're just trying to share your faith in a genuine way, don't let their rejection define you or who you are. Spend time with God. Know yourself. Understand the situation. And God will make you rejection-proof. What do you need to focus on at this point in your life to begin your journey of becoming rejection-proof? Let's pray.